Just in time. Got the headphones on. Got the headphones on. on just in time. Yeah. Danny was a little nervous. No, I'm never nervous. He was slowing down that intro right real quick. Uh, you not having your headphones on is like the least problem, the least problematic thing we've had happen on the show. We'll survive true. that. <laughs> of all the things that go wrong around here, no headphones is it's no problem. It's not a problem. We'll handle that. No deal. But no big deal. What's going on? A lot of damn sports. Yeah, I did the rundown. There are like 40 things today. The Raiders play tonight, and I, they're barely on the yeah, show. They're barely on the show at 8.15. Unbelievable. We'll you know, he's got to hire a coach and go 9-0 and in basketball. And yeah, I, I have to talk about this baseball cheating scandal. We get into that. We today? will. It's Bischoff's briefs today. Oh, good because I didn't see it on the rundown. Yeah, so as long as you talk about it, it's a, and it's like a big deal, and it's been out for like forty-eight hours, and we haven't even mentioned it. So, yeah, well, yeah, we there you go. Da- hold on, hold on, Danny, you don't need to update that. It's right. It bothers me that the numbers were two different colors. Oh, see, on our board, because oh, so earlier in the year, I said UNLV if they get to twenty-five wins, they're going to be in the NCAA tournament, no matter what the like quad one wins are no matter how many good or bad wins if they get to 25 they're in so danny put on the board a countdown of how many wins they need they need 16 more and apparently the one and the six were different colors this morning yeah Uh, the the one was a dark blue and the six was a light blue and that bothered bothered, danny it bothered me just wait until that marker runs out and it's going to be a blue and a red no i'll go get it i'll go get a new one (laughs) i'm i'm glad it was i'm glad it was that not 16 segments we need to get this show over (laughs) <laughs> Only 12. Only 12 Only today. 12 segments. Right. Let's start with the first. The first bite. Did Barry Odom break into UNLV's football facility? I believe this story. You do? Yes, I believe. I absolutely believe the story. I don't think in his introductory press conference oh. he would bring up a story <laughs> like this. Oh. And it not be true. No, I don't believe okay. that at all. So first off, for anybody who didn't hear it, yesterday... Uh, Barry Odom, at his introductory press conference, told a story that when he was in Las Vegas back in the spring, so before this season even started, before the summer, right, he was recruiting somebody in Las Vegas. So he was here, and he said that he missed his turn for the airport and ended up on UNLV's campus, which is which is believable because if you're coming down Tropicana, you go right and you're getting in the airport connector. You go left and you go into UNLV. Right. Very believable. Absolutely. Uh, Said he missed his turn, ended up on campus, and he decided, well, let me drive by their practice facility because I've heard they've got a new one and it's nice and all that. So he said that he drove to it, um, that there weren't very many cars there. So he parked and he walked in. Found an open door. Yeah, he walked in. Which usually those middle doors are open. Yeah, there is like a main entrance (laughs) that they don't lock. At least I don't think they lock. Um, But he said he walked in. Sort of wandered around. He made his way into the weight room, saw the weight room, uh, walked up to the second floor, saw some more uh, parts of the building before somebody finally was like, who are you? And asked him to leave. Yeah. And I you totally, believe it. You totally uh, okay. believe it. 100%. Let me remind you, when Chris Beard got hired here, Chris Beard in his introductory press conference told a story about how he was driving and or I think his dad was driving and Chris Beard was with him and they picked up a hitchhiker and it was Jerry Tarkanian Mm -hmm. who was trying to get to some community college gym in Texas or something like that. Tell us this whole story about picking up Tark and this inspirational thing Tark said in the car on the way to this gym. 
And it turned out to be false. But yeah. he made it up. I don't think he made this up. <laughs> I think he was in the Fertitta football complex. I really do. I don't know what the purpose of this would be. I, I, I don't know what the purpose of this would be. I think he was in the complex. <laughs> what was the purpose of the Chris Beard one? Eh. I'm not so sure about Chris Beard. He we, he left too early anyway. Okay. I mean, he, he was gone after six days. Um, well, Barry Odom's got five more yeah, to go to beat him is what you're telling me. To, to go beyond Chris Beard. No, I believe that I believe this story. Um, which I which, by the way, if the if the middle doors always are open, I don't know that. I mean, I've gone. I don't there for like, I don't either. I've gone there for like press conferences and stuff, which they're going to have the doors open so right. you can get in. But for someone to be able to do this might be a little worrisome. <laughs> well, well, to be was, wandering around, get to the get to the weight room, and then make it up to the second floor. I just that's I, it's a little worrisome. If his story is true, the first thing Barry Odom needs to do is not hire coaches. It's not convince the kids at UNLV to stay. It's not to find kids in the transfer portal. It's to increase security at his practice <laughs> facility. Like that's number one on the list. If a if a he's he was an opposing college football coach. <laughs> like you're telling me that. Any Mountain West coach that's in Vegas could just be like, all right, I'm just going to walk into their yeah. facility. So increase security if it's true. I don't know if it's true. I feel like I think it is. I feel like, did he drive on campus? Probably. Did he decide I'm going to go find the facility? All right. Do I believe he parked, got out, and decided I'm going to walk around another college football facility until they kick me out? I don't know. I think it is. Might be, a, might be a little embellishment there no. from Barry Odom. I mean, embellishment would be I walked around. You're taking a whole different level of I got in. <laughs> I got in through, a, through an open door and walked around. Danny? I would believe it just because I've had a similar situation with that building. You're walking around those buildings? I, yeah. You broke I, in? I didn't break in. I went there for a reason. I forget what I was covering. It was something at the practice facility. And I I was able to walk into the building and I was looking for the bathroom, but I had no idea where it was. And I was wandering around for probably three or four minutes. <laughs> Did someone ask you who you were? No, no. I eventually didn't find the bathroom. So I just left the building. Did you see Barry Odom while you were wandering I did around? Not. Were you in the weight room? <laughs> no, I did not make it there. Uh, so. That was the highlight of Barry Odom's press conference yesterday. Did you have any other big takeaways from what he talked about yesterday? Uh, I did, and he's talked about this a lot, and I know it's the second thing we're going to talk about, but I did think he really made it a priority about recruiting locally and staying home and kind of building, you know, the whole cliche about building the fence around Vegas. Um, He made that a point in more than one statement. He kept coming back to that. Uh, So I thought that was really interesting because, as we know, and Mike Ramallah did a nice job on a story about Marcus Arroyo with local coaches saying, uh, we never see these right. guys. They're not here, um, of which Arroyo got mad at that story. But if it was true, which, I, you know, Mike's uh, extremely solid in what he does, and the coaches were quoted, and I believe it 100%, um, I thought that was interesting that Barry Odom made it a point that he's going to recruit locally and he's going to start uh, locally. Um, we're going to have Barry Odom on the show at 9 o'clock, by the way. I'm going to ask him this because – I talked to Liberty coach Rich Morocco yesterday, and he said they've already made an appointment with me. Well, the fast here's here's the other fun part about his story about breaking into the, the football complex. It starts with him being in Las Vegas recruiting. recruiting. 
Like, there's a chance he recruited Las Vegas harder than Marcus Arroyo yeah. did while he was the defensive coordinator at Arkansas. at Arkansas. There's a real chance that that's yeah. a true story. Let there's me a ask... real chance he was on campuses that Arroyo never got to. <laughs> Let me ask you this uh, theory. Do you believe part of the reason Marcus Arroyo got fired is because he wasn't recruiting locally? I think it was bigger than that. I just think I've always said I don't think he and Harper were on the same wavelength at all. I, I don't. I don't think they were. I, I go back to this point. He was 5-7 and seven this year. They almost got to a bowl. I don't think Eric Harper wanted him to be his coach. I think Eric Harper wanted to make a change, get his own guy in there. A lot of ADs are like that. New ADs, they want their own football coach. Had he kept them and Arroyo goes 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five next year, then it's really, really hard to get your own guy at that point, right? Well, I mean, especially if he goes to a bowl. Then he is I your mean, guy. Huh? Then he is your guy. He goes seven and five next year. That's your guy. Uh, That's your guy. He's best I'm friends not, with I'm him. Just not, I just don't think Eric Harper wanted to keep him. So, but you take a chance if, you know, like you said, if he goes six and six, seven and five, then maybe he has to be your guy. So I don't know if the local recruiting was a major reason why he let him go. Now, I'm sure Eric Harper read that story and wondered about it and maybe even asked him about it. I Here's the other part. I feel like Eric Harper told Barry Odom either about that story or just the general idea that, hey, Marcus Arroyo was not recruiting locally very hard. And the phrase that jumped out to me, because Barry Odom yesterday got asked about, specifically asked about recruiting locally. And the phrase that Barry Odom used was, we're going to control that narrative. Like, basically, he knows that there's this idea out there that UNLV wasn't recruiting locally. And he said, we're going to control that narrative. Basically, as a, hey, I know there was a story where Marcus Arroyo wasn't recruiting locally. I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm going to recruit locally. That way, you can't say that about me. I like, I don't It know. doesn't mean he won't. Yeah, and I don't know that... Listen, Marcus Arroyo, there were plenty of reasons to fire Marcus Arroyo. I, the, the not recruiting high school kids in Las Vegas is whatever. One, one of a list of many that I'm sure Eric Harper had. But I do believe it played some sort of role in Arroyo being fired and also has already played a role in what Harper has told uh, Barry Odom. Like, I think that's been a big point because otherwise, why would he bring it up so much? He brought it up a lot. Right. Like, you, we've had this conversation before. It doesn't really matter if you recruit locally. Just get good players here. If they're out of the portal or if yeah. they're from California or if they're from Florida, it does not matter. But he brought it up a lot. And that makes me think that it's been a priority from his new boss to say, hey, this was a problem with the old guy that we need to fix. I think it might also be a problem. Well, at least I've seen a little bit a problem amongst fans here in town where they all know that all the good local prospects always go out of town. They never go to UNLV. And I think that could be some of the frustration with the fan base is that we don't keep local talent. And Morocco made it a point. He said, look, you're always going to lose guys to the big schools, and that's going to happen. But let's take Gorman and Liberty. You're going to lose people. I mean, Gorman's got a a wide receiver SC. It's a a one kid I think is going to Georgia. They've got a corner going to LSU. But I think more more to the point of Gorman and Liberty are those second-level guys. You know, you shouldn't – I think in the minds of people locally – you shouldn't be losing those kids to San Diego State. Like, you shouldn't be losing them to Boise State. You're not getting the best kid at Gorman, usually. So, But it's those second-level guys who are probably pretty good players at those schools that locals really want to know why are those guys going to other Mountain West schools. 
you know, you're not the, the, the branch kid who's at Gorman going to SC, you're not getting him. Yeah. But the second level guys, I think there is a sense around town that I don't know why you lose them to those Mountain West schools. If Barry Odom goes seven and five without a single local kid on the roster, nobody will care. <laughs> nobody will even. Well, we said that about basketball right. also. We said nobody that about basketball. Right. They're nine and zero, oh, and they're nine and zero oh right now. And everyone is considered a local kid because everyone loves the team. Right. Right. They all love those kids. You, they feel that they're um, you know their own. Yeah. You become a local be- if you win. Like you're gonna be like, oh yeah, Keyshawn. You're Gilman? gonna be em- yeah, yeah. You're gonna be embraced. That guy. So. It, it has, I think it's a lot of playing the outcome is the whole, hey, he's not recruiting locally thing. Now, you can't, I do not think you can be the head coach of a, any college football team with a lot of high schools in your area and have high school coaches give the quotes that they gave to Mike Gramala, where they're like, we haven't talked to him or we've seen him once in three years. Like you just, you've got to at least have a presence. You might not ever land a kid from that school, but you can't have coaches of high schools around here being like, we don't know who Marcus Arroyo is. Right. Like, there, there at least has to be some relationship. But it doesn't have to be the strongest one. And it doesn't have to no, be... No, but he has to be on campus. Right. People have to know who he is. Yes. Like, that's that's the reality of the situation. Like Morocco. You you know, he's been the coach first one day, and he tells me yesterday, they already called me, and they're <laughs> going to be on campus. Now, again, Liberty's a really, really good school. I don't know if that's happened with everyone. I don't know if he set up, you know, uh, meetings with other schools. I'm not going to name that doesn't matter, but not at the level of Liberty and not at the level of Gorman. But it does say one thing, unlike Arroyo, they've already made plans to go out there. And I don't think that happened with Arroyo. Does Arroyo, uh, could he drive to Liberty High School without directions? Not a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up next, the UNLV basketball team still unbeaten. Comes down the right side, feeds Rodriguez. Luis shoots a three from that right side, and he knocks it down. So the Rebels answer, 60-48. to Rodriguez. Well, he'll shoot another three. He'll hit another three. So those two going at it. Bang, bang, bang. Three Rulyadev, three Rodriguez, 63-51 UNLV. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. UNLV is 9-0 after beating Hawaii 77-62 last night. This is just the second time since Jerry Tarkanian left. The UNLV is 9-0. The last time was in Lon Kruger's final season. Um, that team lost their 10th game. So UNLV has not been 10-0 since Jerry Tarkanian's uh, final season with the running Rebels. Um, let me ask you this first. When do you think they lose their first game? I, I didn't. Is Washington State really undefeated? No. Did I put that in the rundown? Oh, I'm sorry. I said they're one of the last 10 unbeaten teams, and then it says Washington State, USF, Southern Miss, Conference League. Okay, I misread that. Um, who do they play? Who do they open up uh, conference with? San Jose State. Okay, and then they get San Diego State on the yes. 31st? So those are your next five, or Washington State, um, San Francisco, <sighs> Southern Miss, if San Jose State. I had to State, pick someone? San Diego State. I'm not up on USF and Southern Mississippi enough to know. If I had to pick someone, I'll say New Year's Eve. So they would get through non-conference play unbeaten. And then they'd beat San Jose State, and then they'd have trouble on New Year's Eve against San Diego State. So to give you the quick rundown here, Washington State so far this year, um, they have lost all three games they've played to top 100 teams. That includes Boise State. They also have one really bad loss to Prairie View A&M. But... 
Uh, they are probably the best offensive team UNLV is going to play in the non-conference, uh, and they shoot a lot of threes. Um, I'll get I'll get you a stat on that in just a second too. But Washington State's a possible one uh, at the moment. Ken Palm projects a one-point win for UNLV, so that's a close game or should be a toss-up game. San Francisco's fine. They're nothing really special this year. Uh, but Not like last year. Yeah, but they're good enough to beat UNLV. The interesting one is Southern Miss, who is 8-1 and one and has two top 100 wins. Okay. And Southern Miss started the year 324 in Ken Palm. They were supposed to be very, very bad, uh, but they're not actually that bad. UNLV still should beat them, but that's not quite the cupcake it looked like. Here, here's the thing. UNLV is going to be projected to win every game they play until San Diego State. Right. But will they actually pull off all four wins? Maybe. I don't know. I I would look at the Washington State game and say that might be the one. Because here's my... Neutral court. Two two things that I'm curious about. One, they've dominated teams when they are just athletically superior, right? Which is a good thing to see. I don't know a ton about Washington State, but I'm guessing UNLV is not going to be just athletically superior to Washington State. Maybe they still will be, and we'll be like, all right, this team's good. But I'm guessing they won't be. And then the other key here is that UNLV gives up a lot of three-pointers. Uh, that's by design with the defense. They are a you know pack-line, mid-line defense. They're going to crash the paint, help side, to prevent layups. But so far this season, opponents have taken 51% of their field goal attempts against UNLV are three-pointers. That's the second highest number in the country. So they are allowing a lot of threes. Now, fortunately for UNLV, their opponents have only made 32%. The average is 33%. So their opponents are shooting slightly below average from three. But when they play a team that knocks down threes, they're probably going to lose that game. And Washington State this year shoots a lot of threes. They're top 100 in the country in terms of percentage of shots that are threes. And they are uh, 37% from three as a team this year. So you're looking at a team that's going to shoot a lot of threes, and you're looking at a team that's going to make a lot of threes. Washington State might be the team that beats them. Okay. Might, they might be physically athletic enough to not just get overwhelmed by UNLV's defense, and then they might be good at the one thing UNLV's defense allows, and that's threes. Okay. So if we're looking at like matchup-wise, Washington State might be the team that actually does that. I still think UNLV wins the game, though, on Saturday. Okay. Still think they Is that the MGM, I believe? Uh, yes, but, I, I, but that's... Maybe matchup-wise where you find find one. Otherwise, I mean, San Francisco and Southern Miss aren't bad, so if UNLV plays poorly, they could lose those, but... I think both are Thomas and Mac. Yeah, those are probably two wins. San Jose State should be a win, even though it's on the road in front... Well, on the road in front of seven people, or however many people San Jose State gets right. into their gym. Uh, I hope they're undefeated going into that San Diego State game. Mm-hmm. Like, because UNLV will probably be ranked if they win all their games. They're They're in receiving votes. They're like... 33rd or something if you extended it out. So can they move up eight more spots in the next month or less than a month if they keep winning, even if none of them are truly impressive wins? Probably, right? I think 12-0 would probably get them ranked. So you could conceivably have a ranked versus ranked matchup for UNLV against San Diego State here in Vegas, which would be be awesome. Yeah, be great. And if they they lose any of the games the rest of the way, they're not going to be ranked before that. No. So... That's what I hope happens because that would be... No, it would be amazing for, the, be for the, the city, for the program, for everybody. Biggest game they've played since Christian Wood beat Arizona? Yeah. 
Probably. Like, that's the last. I mean, Menzies beat a ranked Utah team at T-Mobile, uh, but UNLV wasn't ranked at the time, and that Utah team really fell off the rest of that season. So it probably is Chris Wood beating number three Arizona. It's probably the biggest right. game UNLV have played since then, which is like six years ago at this point. Right. So that's uh, that's what I'm hoping for, although there's a, there's a chance they do actually lose one of these. Just be, The most impressive thing about UNLV is that like, their defense has not taken a game off. Like there has not been a game where they just don't have it defensively. They've been dominant on yes. that end of the floor in every single game. There might be stretches where ah, they gave up a few points or a run or something, but they've for the most part just been awesome on defense you go last in every night? game. Yeah. Dollar Loan Center. What'd you think of that place? Uh perfect size for UNLV basketball right now. Okay. It was like ninety percent full. There were some empty okay. seats behind the baskets, but Perfect size for UNLV basketball. I mean, if they keep winning, they'll need a bigger arena than that. But. Well, I'd love the the two ranked teams on New Year's Eve to see the crowd. I'd it love has, this. It'd have to be big, wouldn't it? Oh, have to be. If they're both ranked, and it's San Diego State, who's kind of the rival of that league, but you know, especially UNLV between the, them in the past, um, San Diego State's kind of dominated them in terms of the record, but still, I think UNLV sees them as a rival in basketball. New Year's Eve, a Saturday. It's one o'clock too, so you're not dealing with nighttime and Golden Knights parties and festivities. Yeah. Uh, Do you think that matters? Think it cuts in? Uh, I think different fan bases. Okay. I think I, I think I think it'd be a big crowd of Thomas and Mac because they're just going to get more and more run here and more and more publicity as they win each game. The buildup's going to be more and more. I I hope you're right too. I hope they're undefeated and ranked. I think it'd be great, and I think the atmosphere would be, I mean, ten plus, right? I hope so. There'd have to be 10,000 plus there. Yeah. I'd hope it'd be a legitimate 10,000. Yeah. There, hopefully there's enough for them to announce 13,000. <laughs> okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure. That there's makes enough sense. there for them to say we yeah, have 13,000 people in the building, yeah. which means there's nine or 10,000. But hopefully which is that's fine. Because right. I'll tell you what, in the past, 10,000 is really loud in the Thomas and Matt. Well, here's the, here's the amazing part. And I wonder if like the acoustics are just really good in there. Even when there's five or six thousand people, loud. when UNLV goes on a run, it's loud. Thomas and Mac gets loud. Yes. like it's it does not sound empty. No. when the crowd makes noise. Now there's lots of stretches of UNLV basketball over the last eight years where there's nothing to cheer about, so it does right. sound empty because nobody's cheering because they're not very good or something. Right. But when they go on runs and when the crowd gets into it, it's loud even when it's a third full or whatever that number yeah. is. So you actually get back to ten thousand people in the building. It'll be a terrific yeah. atmosphere. Might be a low-scoring slugfest game without much to cheer about, but it'll be a good good environment, yeah. I think. So that's what we're officially cheering for, is the biggest matchup UNLV can have. All right, coming up next, Jeff Erickson is here to answer your fantasy football questions. Our text line is 69187. So send your text messages there. Make sure you preface your message with ESPN. So type ESPN and then whatever your fantasy football question is and send it to 69187. Jeff Erickson from RotoWire is up next to answer your fantasy football questions. Third down snap. Rodgers looking left. Waiting. Scrambles right. Throws. End zone. Watson. Touchdown. Right corner of the end zone. Gino takes the snap. Four-man rush. Going to half roll. Throws back inside. Reaching up. Making a catch. Touchdown. Seahawks. Are you kidding me? It is DK Metcalf. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. 
Joining us now from RotoWire is Jeff Erickson. He will answer your fantasy football questions. Who do you need to put in your lineup this week? Our text line is 69187. Make sure you type ESPN and then whatever your fantasy football question is and send it to 69187. We will get those questions to Jeff Erickson to help you set your lineup. Uh, Jeff, before we get into any rankings question, I uh, Danny is producing the show today. And Danny is the commissioner of his league, and I would like him to tell you why people in his league are mad at him at the moment. Go ahead, Danny. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> it was oversight on my part. Uh, still not used to this 18-game schedule. Not used to buys being this late in the season, week 14. When I set up the league, it was also a last-minute thing. We set it up like four days before the first game of the season. Um, I started the playoffs this week so that we wouldn't Uh have to deal with players sitting in the last week of the season. So in my mind, I was still functioning off of a 17-week season instead of an 18-week season. So now, and I told everybody at the beginning of the season, and I even have the text, I said, (laughs) look over all the rules, look over all the points. If you guys have any questions or any concerns, let me know. It was radio silence for the first 13 weeks of the season. And then they all found out that playoffs start this week and some of their players are on buys this week. And now people are angry because they have to bench some of their top players for the first week of playoffs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> under, yeah. It's frustrating. I get it. It was uh, really, yeah, it, it's fr- I've never seen six teams on buy this late in the season. Um, I think this is one of the things that, you know, with everything that the NFL is doing, adding the extra game, adding the extra week, playing so many games overseas. I mean, that that's one of the fallouts uh, from all of this here. Uh, but yeah, it's an unfortunate situation. You can't change it now, obviously either. Um, and maybe you had caught it in week one, you could have conjured up an extra game on the schedule or something like that. But yeah, you're, you're kind of just, you're it's imperfect. You're stuck with it this year, and we'll, we'll learn from it, and it'll be better next year. Yeah, absolutely. And, hey, I was one of those people who are also dealing with bye weeks. I have four of my main starters on buys this week. So they shouldn't be mad at you. You exactly. screwed yourself. So here, here's my thing on it, Jeff. And like you said, maybe if they caught it in week one, like for at least like five weeks, I've been looking at my fantasy league schedule and when do the playoffs start. Like I feel like they should have at least caught this, if not before the season, halfway into the season somebody should have realized oh the playoffs start week 14 and i got three players on by that week yeah yeah that that that's the thing is but who looks at that sort of thing just you you know this is true with everything like apples get you get a new apple device of any sort you get like a 10 page document read over this terms and conditions <laughs> whenever it does uh and, and, that, and that's even more arcane i mean it's fine print and all that but your fantasy leagues, I mean, yeah, we know, okay, is it PPR? Okay, how many do we start? Okay, let's go. I mean, that's what we do. I mean, I, I, I understand, you know, everyone glosses over it. And you didn't, and it's not like you were like, hey, I'm trying to do this. It just happens. Mistakes happen. We move on. Jeff, he did not look good yet last week. Um, what do you do with Deshaun Watson at this point? Uh, I root against him, and <laughs> especially this week because I'm a Bengals fan, but. In general, I'm like, hey, look at that interception. Wasn't that awesome? Because uh, I don't have him anywhere. Uh, but if you have him, um, borderline starting this week. I think 
Bengals are, are allowed the fourth least amount of uh, fantasy points per game against quarterbacks this year. So it, it's a pretty tough spot uh, to be in here. I've got uh, I, I've got Watson. Where do I have Watson in my rankings? I have him kind of. I, I'm kind of. I have 15th. So it's kind of. If you have Justin Fields and, and Watson, okay, you're going to have to roll with it there. Um, but like I'd start Daniel Jones and Geno Smith over him. Uh, our first question is Jared Goff or Deshaun Watson. Oh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff and, and uh, the Vikings and the uh, Lions have the highest total for the week, uh, 53 points. Uh, Goff is so much better at home than on the road. I think this is going. This game's got shootout potential, which you know. Sometimes we say that and it becomes a total dud, but I really think indoors, two teams that you can throw against. I think this is a really good matchup here. So start Jared Goff. Six nine one eight seven is the text line. Make sure you type ESPN and then whatever your fantasy question is. Uh, Jeff, I'm curious. Looking at the Thursday night game tonight and the Raiders, obviously Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams are uh, terrific fantasy players. Is there who else from this game do you want in a fantasy lineup? Um, uh, Jacobs, Adams, maybe Foster Moreau, Carr even. Carr's been. Carr's had like four or five relatively good games in a row. Um. You're not going to get him to air it out a ton, but uh, Jalen Ramsey hasn't been the shutdown corner that he's been in the past, so I'm not worried about that combination there. Uh, I don't think Aaron Donald plays, uh, so I think you know that's okay. I think Cam Akers might be okay in a pinch. Hey, as alluded to, six teams on by. You're going to have some pretty gnarly starting lineups out there. Akers at least had 17 carries last week, so that could be useful. I mean, that's it on the Rams side, really. I mean, if, if you want to squint you can see van jefferson but i i i wouldn't want to do that with my lineup six nine one eight seven is the text line all right here we go uh mike evans juju smith schuster or miles sanders in a ppr league Mm, that's a good question um the fact that i'm pausing shows you how frustrating it's been to have mike evans lately um but i I'll probably say mike evans it's it's close ppr league helps um i think you can make a case also for sanders I think Juju's the, the the sit here against the Broncos, who are really tough against the pass. Also, three different players for a flex spot: uh, Damon Pierce, Traylon Burks, or Travis Etienne. I go Etienne. I don't think Burks plays. He's coming back from that nasty hit, that concussion. Uh, the way concussions have been handled lately, it usually seems like it's at least a full week now. So, um, I go Etienne on this one here. Do you have both Dallas running backs in the top twelve this week? Uh, no, I have Zeke like 27 or so. Um, I think, you know, Houston is bad as they've been against the run for the season. The last three weeks, they haven't been as bad. So I think they fixed a few things. Perhaps I have Pollard in my top 10. I have Zeke. I, I might have Zeke a little too low, but there's actually a decent number of running backs. Remember Zeke barely catches any passes anymore too. And my rankings are always PPR. Six, nine, one, eight, seven is the text line. Um, if Ken Walker doesn't play, is there anybody you want to use in Seattle? Or are you uh, avoiding that altogether? I picked up DJ Dallas in the league last night. Um, I, I I think he's the lead candidate, but even he's a question mark health wise too. It might have just been wasted fab money. We'll see. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a tough call because there's like four different guys. It's like Spinal Tap drummers going down with injuries there uh, in that game against the Rams last week. Uh, Dallas actually left with an injury and then had to come back because Tony Jones was hurt worse. Uh, they <laughs> added Wayne Gallman to their practice squad, so that tells you their level of desperation. Uh, do you think they uh, try to force Ken Walker to play with his odd ankle injury because of all that, or do you think they'd be more cautious with him? 
I think they'll be more cautious because it's their prized asset. I, I think I hope they're that way. That's the way I would handle it. Um, they, it, was, it was a unique injury. They described it as a jammed ankle, not a strain, not a sprain, but a jam. Um, and you know, there's not as much experience with the, that type of injury. So practice reports will help tell the story. Hopefully by Friday, we'll have a better picture. Six, nine, one, eight, seven. That's our text line. We've got some more quarterback questions for you. Russell Wilson or Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence. I think it's Russell Wilson or X. It's always X. <laughs> Wait, can you just, uh, where, where is Russell Wilson actually in your quarterback rankings this week? I have him at 23. Oh. Only Brock Purdy, John Wolford, the Texans quarterback, which it looks like is now going to be Davis Mills uh, again, and then the Rams quarterback. Those are the only ones I have below him. Okay. I, I doubt there's much fantasy purpose because I can't imagine anybody would actually use him, but it, Baker Mayfield might actually play tonight against the Raiders. That yeah. seems bizarre. It is super bizarre. When they and they said they were shipping him, they're, they're trying to ship him the playbook so he could read it on the plane. Uh, that that smacks of a level of desperation. I guess they just don't want to see the Bryce Perkins experience. Uh, it's the only thing I can get at here. But Wolford's got a bad neck. Uh, Perkins is bad, and Mayfield. I mean, we we I, is anybody convinced that Mayfield's going to be any good at all with a terrible offensive line with no Cooper Cup, no Allen Robinson? I mean, what a horrible trial. I mean, I guess it just shows that they just don't have any level of trust with Perkins. Uh, Jared Goff or Kyler Murray. It's Jared Goff. I mean, the fact, uh, yeah, Murray is can have the fantasy floor. I think he's a better fantasy quarterback than he is a real life quarterback. But uh, I don't love his match against the Pats on Monday night, so I'm going to go Goff. Uh, Desmond Ritter just got named the new starting quarterback in Saw Atlanta. That. Is there is there any hope in your eyes that he could be a playable fantasy quarterback this season? There's hope. Uh, there's no evidence. Uh, we need to see it. Um, you know, I, I've been wondering all along why they haven't made this switch sooner. Uh, I think they finally convinced themselves they're not in the hunt, um, and they're just wasting a year here. But uh, uh, he must have been really, I, I, you know, I, I, I struggle to want, uh, answer why he hasn't gotten a look yet. Uh, but if you're a Drake, uh, if you have Drake London on your teams, at least you're happy to see that there's some hope, perhaps, because Mariota's just terrible. Uh, six nine one eight seven is the text line. Jeff, we'll get you one more before we get you out of here. Chris Godwin or Keenan Allen? Um, Godwin. Uh, but I, I think both are probably pretty good starts this week. All right, he's Jeff Erickson from RotoWire, always answering your questions for fantasy football on a Thursday. Hopefully, your league's not in the playoffs like Danny's is this week. <laughs> uh, Jeff, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Take care. Thank you, guys. So there is Jeff Erickson from RotoWire uh, answering some fantasy football questions. Uh, Ed, you're not in the playoffs this week, are you? One more week. Yeah, that's what mine is too. One more week. Danny blew it over here. Hey, I'm just glad that he didn't. Uh, he didn't call me the Tommy Fam of my league. So, or oh, no, he, Tommy, he called me that Pham. last week. The Jock oh, Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jock Peterson. Yeah. Well, I have two active players on IR spots because they were on IR and now they're off IR. And I just haven't dropped them because I haven't had to make a roster move. So he told me I should I should be forced to drop them. But I still haven't. Nah. Gus Edwards, DJ Chark, they're still hanging out there. I was just looking. My my lineup's pretty bad this week. <laughs> I was just looking at possibly picking up Chark. But uh, so you have four. Can you just what wide receivers are you starting this week? Uh, Devin Duvernay. Oh my God, that's the first name out of your mouth. And I think Marquez Valdez Scantling. Oh, Danny. Yeah, oh yeah. my God. Oh yeah, it's bad. <laughs> 
Because my main two, <laughs> my main two receivers are uh, Chris Olave and Michael Pittman Jr. Oh, man, you did it to yourself, Danny. Yeah, and my running backs are uh, Nick Chubb, Jeff Wilson, and I'm debating between Pacheco and Kenyon Drake. Yeah, you did it to yourself. They can nobody in your league can be mad at you because you screwed oh, yourself. And I didn't even make the playoffs. I'm in the consolation bracket. Oh, okay. So, oh well, poor Danny. Yeah, I'd yell at you anyways, even if I knew it was my fault. Oh, I know they all did, but they're fine with it. All right, we got tickets to give away. If you want to go to the eSports Awards, we got tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100. That is the phone number. We got a pair of tickets to go to the eSports Award out at Resorts World on December 13th, presented by Lexus. Uh, out at Resorts World. 702-364-1100. That is the phone number. If you want to go to the eSports Awards, be caller number three right now at 702-364-1100. Marcia so, the righty, scanning the slot, skates up top, passes Theodore. Shea straight on to the right, Smith. He skates back up top. Smith, the lefty, to the right. Theodore, one-timer save, rebound, extra pass, score! Marcia so, power play goal, he ties it. Marcheseau's fifth power play goal of the season, his 11th overall, and the Knights have even the score. Rangers hit up the attack, Chuba looking backdoor, save, Thompson sliding to his right. What a stop on Chris Kreider. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Wait, those are the only two highlights, Danny? Yes. <laughs> Uh, tied 1-1 in the third period last night for the Golden Knights and Rangers, and then they gave up four in the third period to lose that game 5-1. to one. Now, it's early December. We're a long way away from the postseason. We're a long way away from, you know, important, defining games, stuff like that. Probably this game is just a blip, um, but Bruce Cassidy last night called his team not very mature. That's interesting, given how good they've been. It's a fascinating right? it's, phrase. It's, it's an interesting comment about not very mature after one loss. Um, I assume he was talking about in the third. Well, he I mentioned mean, he what, mentioned what about he... what they wanted to do to take away Mika Zibanejad, uh, and he was like, we didn't execute it. We weren't very mature. So it was almost like he mature meant it. Mature is just a strange word. Right. It was almost like he meant it like we didn't do what the game plan said we needed to do. Okay. But right, mature was the word that you sort of perk up and say, huh. all right. That's like, I don't think it actually. Like were they children out there? Right, maybe. Like I don't think it actually means a whole lot. But normally if you said somebody's immature, you'd be like, well, what'd they do? Throw a tantrum and yeah, quit, exactly. like, leave throw the game their stick? or something? Yeah. Although I Which, think Logan, Logan Thompson, Thompson did, did break a stick. stick. He yes. did break a stick. So that did happen. But I don't think he was talking about that because Logan Thompson was out here angry because Bruce Cassidy probably felt the same way Logan Thompson did. I think Logan Thompson could have been down 4-1 in the first if he didn't play well. <laughs> it could have been a 9-1 final. So I, it's just a very interesting choice of words. We're probably already reading too much into it, but not very mature. I I am taking it as far as, based on the way he said it, was not executing the game plan, not doing what they talked about doing before the game and all that. Right. Um, but maybe there's more because it is a very interesting word to use when talking about a team of professional athletes, right? Yeah. It'd be one thing if this was a college coach saying that because generally you've got 19 and 20-year-olds and they're more likely to be immature than your team that's 28 to 32 all the way around. Right. So interesting choice of words from Bruce Cassidy. Uh, we'll see if they're 
immature in any other games. Here's a real question for you. Is there anything to this stat? The Golden Knights at home are 7-6-0. and The Golden Knights on the road are 12-2-1. and I think it's because they changed the intro. <laughs> they changed that intro. To, I don't know what it is now because I, I, I you know, I, I pay attention, but I don't pay attention to the intros. Uh, I think you, it's because they you pay changed enough the attention to know it changed, but not yes, to what it exactly is. not what it. That's a great way to put it. Um, I don't know. I mean, things like these stats are crazy in terms of like road and win wins. I can never really figure out what the what the deal is. Are they are they more intense on the road because they feel they have to be? Um, that they're, you know, they, I, now we're, now we're getting into the idea of making excuses for them and you don't want to do that. Um, more comfortable at home and they love a little, I don't know. It is, it is fascinating though, because that is a huge difference. Right. It's not like they're, you know, what, you know, nine and six on the road and seven and six at home. And you're like, okay, it's kind of split up there. And this is 12 two, one on the road. Yeah. It's it's a like they're ridiculously good away from home. Like that's an unbelievable like that'd be an incredible home record if you right. were twelve, two and one. But to be twelve, two and one on the road, but only seven and six at home is I, I don't think there's probably anything to it. Ultimately, by the end of the year, it probably evens out, right? Where their home record and road record are pretty similar. But even that would still be a little bit weird because generally speaking, your home record is better than your road record. I think we're still just kind of early in the season, but they have struggled at home. Like the, pretty much all their bad games have, have been, been at home. home. Yes. And like last night, you know, it's a one, one game and then they have a bad third period and they get blown out and it's five to one. If you go back to their last road game, what did they do? They had a three, nothing lead in Boston and they blow blew that, it, but they and still, then they still won the game though. Right. So it, it almost feels like, Every game that they have, I'd have to like look into this a little bit, but every game that they have like a resilient bounce back or something like that is almost always on the road. Right. Like anytime right. they need to bounce back from something at home, it feels like nope, doesn't happen. Right. They just get it just they just lose when they're at home more often. So I again, I don't think there's much to that, but maybe there's something there. And at the end of the day, we can probably just blame the Golden Knights fans, right? Right, let's let's just do that. I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> who else? Who else is there to blame? We're gonna blame the players. They're the same players home and away. <laughs> exactly. Can't same. blame the media. They're too light on the team. <laughs> oh, Twitter, Twitter, Danny. It's Max Pacioretty. It's he's blaming the media from afar. Maybe it is the media's fault. Nobody's there to cover them and pump them up. Who's first off the ice? <laughs>